everybody. How's everyone doing? We are officially four days away from the Super Bowl. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And this is where we take all of your questions, thoughts, and comments on Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. We are doing the show again, just like we've done the last few weeks of the playoffs, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. So there's plenty of time for you guys to get all of your thoughts, comments, questions, everything in. So as we give people a chance to start doing that, uh, there's been a lot going on this week, of course, leading up to the Super Bowl. That's always how it is. There's crazy amounts of media and obligations guys have, which is great for us because we get to hear all sorts of uh, fun little nuggets of information. But I know the one that people are probably most going to be asking about and most care about at this point is the injury situation. So tell us what we know at this point and then when we might know more. Well, we'll know a little bit more later today. Um, but I think with the four main guys that we're concerned about, um, we probably won't really have a good feel for it until the end of the week. Um, they did a walkthrough yesterday. Essentially, it was like a bonus day after they'd had a couple of extra days off. And uh, all four of the guys we're talking about, which is Levante David with a hamstring, Antonio Brown with a knee, Jordan Whitehead with a shoulder, and Antoine Winfield Jr. with an ankle. All four of them took part in the walkthrough, but coach said they weren't ready to go yet. So in other words, had it been a full speed practice, they would have been out or limited in some way. But I still think, I always tend to think it's a good sign when they're taking part in the walkthrough because the walkthrough is when you actually go through plays on both sides of the ball that you plan to use in the game. And so if you didn't think this guy was going to play in the game or had a good shot at it, then why would you bother having, you'd have his, his replacement in there wouldn't you? Yeah, that's a really great point that I hadn't even thought about. Um, so yeah, that's a good sign. And and again, just a reminder to anyone who saw the injury reports from last week, those were based <laughs> on the idea that the game would have been this last Sunday. So I was just like reiterating that in case there's anybody new that didn't hear that disclaimer and has been panicking about some yeah. of those designations. Yeah. In fact, that, that injury report is still displayed on the website on our injury report page until it gets replaced later this afternoon. The one that goes up today will not have game status designations. That won't happen until Friday but it will now be applying to the actual Super Bowl. So um, that's good news. I, I would have liked for Levante to be just a little bit more definitive with, I'm definitely playing. I'm, I wouldn't miss this for the world. He, I mean, he, he, did the, he said the truth and the right thing, but he just said he's taking a day-to-day, -day, trusting the trainers, and then we'll see on Sunday. Well, I know what I want to see on Sunday. So, you know, he's waited a long time for this game. So oh. I gotta believe he'll go if he can. It's just that hamstring, I would say if it was an elbow or a, even a knee or something, I'm like, there's no way he let, lets that keep him out of this game. But hamstrings are tricky. I mean, yeah. hamstrings are injuries that sometimes your body just won't let you, even if you want to fight through the pain. Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is that sometimes with things like hamstrings, you hold somebody out because you're afraid it'll make yes. it worse for future games. Well, you don't have to worry about that with this. At least it's just... <laughs> the one game and you're not worried about what it would mean long-term the rest of the season. I also think it's a good sign that he injured that he suffered that injury uh, in the third quarter in green Bay and he didn't miss a snap. So yeah. at least at that point he was able to play through it. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, so of, of those guys in general, we, we've heard a little bit from Bruce and all that. What do you feel like in terms of who's the, the closest or further away? Or, or do we know who's uh, more certain or less certain of those guys? I think you just got to go with um, what we said before. The evidence that we have at hand uh, is that Antoine Winfield actually went on the trip to Green Bay um, and they actually worked him out in the morning before the game uh, with the chance that he might play. And that was what, at this point, a couple of weeks ago. So um, I got to feel like he's probably your best bet to play. And then Levante, just because of what coaches said, um, he seems like the best bet. So the two guys that were actually listed as doubtful for that phantom game last Sunday were Whitehead, who got hurt in the game and hasn't practiced since, and Antonio Brown, who didn't go on the trip. 
And then uh, Daniel had a question. He said, take Tom Brady out of, of the equation for this answer. Outside of him, who do you think the defensive player and offensive player, uh, most valuable player for the game would potentially be? And he said you could give either a dark horse or a most logical answer. Um, on offense, I think I would go with Chris Godwin. I just, uh, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities in this game to make big plays out of the slot, especially because they, um, they, they blitz a lot. And so if you've got hot reads, I could see Chris Godwin being a hot read on short passes that he could gain extra yards on. He's very, very good at that. Um, you know, I, I'm hesitant to pick a running back just because I, I don't know how the flow of the game is going to go. And you never know. Leonard Fournette's been the, the, you know, the lead back in the playoffs, but Ronald Jones could have a big day and then I'd, I'd have picked the wrong one. So I'm going to go with Chris Godwin. Um, any, you really could go with any of our receivers, but that's the one I'll choose there on defense. You know, it's it's going to have to be for a defensive player to win. He's going to have to make some splash plays. I mean, when we were in the Super Bowl last time, Dexter Jackson had two game turning interceptions in the first half. And since there was nobody that really blew you away on the offensive offensive side of the ball, um, he got it. That's the kind of performance you need. So it's going to have to be somebody with, uh, you know, a bunch of sacks or, you know, like Von Miller uh, in Super Bowl 50. He he won the MVP because their seven sacks against Cam Newton was really what made the game. And he had two and a half of them. So with that in mind, I would say one possibility would be Shaq Barrett if he has another performance like he did in Green Bay. Okay. Um, Mike had said, uh, who do you think are some of the big contributors to this team getting to this point that haven't necessarily gotten the name recognition? And he threw out Will Golston. Yeah, that's a good one, of course. And uh, I feel like Will was getting some um, some attention earlier in the season, which was good because he was deserving of it. We were kind of calling him out saying, hey, did you, have you guys noticed that this guy is leading the team? And which he did, by the way, he led the team in quarterback hits, which is pretty impressive for Will considering you know, his value to the team coming into the season was how very, very good he is stopping the run and, and sealing the edge on the strong side against the run. So for him to give you that pressure is great. Um, but I would say just about anybody on the offensive line. I think we hear Ali Marpet's name a lot, uh, which is deservedly, but that that offensive line has been phenomenal this season and they're peaking at the right time. They're playing great right now. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Ryan Jensen would be a good answer there. Yeah, so, that is a good one. Yeah. Um, Scott had asked, do you think Tom is more motivated to get his seventh ring or these young guys to get their first? I would not, I would hesitate to put anybody above Tom Brady when we're listing how motivated a person is. Um, so I'd have to go with Tom. You know, the, these young guys, it's their first time and I'm sure everybody's motivated, of course, that's obvious, but um, they, they may not have a full grasp of what this means and, and how often or how relatively not often most players make it to this stage. You know, Tom's got things on, on the, on the plate. there, like seven titles, which is more than any franchise has, you know? So um, that'd be to be one individual with more Super Bowl championships than any NFL franchise would be pretty remarkable. Um, I think, and I, you know, it'd be one more than Michael Jordan got. Cause at the point where Tom Brady is now, people are comparing him to the best athletes in every sport. Right. Right. So, yeah. He's in a class all his own. You can't even, it's like, you don't even have anything to compare him to hardly anymore. Yeah. So I think a seventh ring, he'd be the first guy to, um, to get two after the age of 40. I think in any major sport, he'd be the first guy, he'd be the second guy after Peyton Manning to win two as a quarterback with two different teams. So there's a, really a lot of historical things on the play for Tom Brady, which I'm sure he would say he's not focused on any of that right now, but when it's all said and done, it's going to matter. 
Um, Jose had asked, do you think that uh, the Bucks should be expecting some unique or different uh, offensive formations, plays, trick plays, and how do you prepare for that kind of thing? And that's a, the last part of that is a great question. And I, I wish somebody would ask Todd Bowles that. I'm sure he would say you just have to read your keys, you know, um, train your eyes, believe your eyes, all that. But um, I absolutely 100% think you'll see something from the Chiefs on offense that you haven't seen before, because every time I got a chance to watch the Chiefs this year, that happened. I mean, you'd see a play go, oh, that's really cool. I've never seen that before. And then the next week you see them, that happened actually against us. I had seen them play the week before, saw a crazy play that I'd never seen before that worked really well. And then they were playing us and they started to run the, what looked like the exact same thing, but then it changed into something else. And it would have worked. I think one of our, I think maybe Levante or somebody made a really good defensive play to stop it from working, but it was a cool play. Uh, and I think there's no way Andy Reid's going into the Super Bowl without some new wrinkle that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very fair point. Um, I don't know the answer to this question. I'm not sure if you do. And if we don't, we can try to find it. But Isai asked, uh, will our injured players be on the sidelines for the game to mm. get the Super Bowl experience? Or do they have to watch from home because of all the COVID stuff? Um. Yeah, you're right. I don't know the answer to that. So maybe we can try to find it out. Yeah, We'll try to track right. that down. I hadn't uh, thought about that in, in normal times. Um, you know, they injured guys tend to either sometimes watch from the sideline or maybe be up in a suite with like your practice squad players. But yeah, I don't know how that works with it being a Super Bowl and it being COVID times. That's well, hopefully we're not going to worry about that because we won't have anybody that's out due to injury. But um, well, I mean, I think he said he I think a couple mean, people had asked us about like OJ Howard, Alex Kappa, uh, people like oh, that. Okay. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, yeah, boy, it's hard to imagine them being on the sideline, but maybe maybe a, a luxury suite somewhere. Maybe in a suite or something. Yeah. Um, Dustin asked, "Do you think we'll be able to keep most of the players for the next season?" That's a good question. Um, I, I'd like to believe that most of them will be in the same spot they were last year, where they believe that where this team is headed. Um, win or lose, it's been a pretty magical season for the Buccaneers, and you know everybody expects Tom Brady back. Um, so. I would think that'd be a motivating factor for a lot of these guys. Obviously Shaq is playing on the one-year franchise tag, but has said on multiple occasions that he wants to stay. Obviously the Bucks want to keep him around. Um, you know, the others, I guess, are in Chris Godwin and Dominican Sue, Levante David. Um, it's a tough prediction to say all of them will be back, but some of those guys, you have a hard time picture them going anywhere else like Levante David. Um, so I would say the majority will probably be back, but uh, it'll take a lot of work just like it did last off season. Um, do you, I, I love this question. Tony asked, do you think Vita Vea might be featured as a fullback in any of the plays in the Super Bowl? Sure. Why not? I mean, it worked when we've done it. Um, it probably isn't, it is a matter of just how close to hundred percent they think he is because we really need Vita Vea on defense and you wouldn't want to lose any of, of his availability because you put him on offense, right? Yeah. So maybe if he's not hundred percent, it's less likely, but I don't think it's impossible. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, this is an interesting question. We've talked a lot about the shift that happened at halftime the last time we played the Chiefs and how that was sort of the beginning of the rest of the season and how well the, the Bucks did. Scott asked, do you think the Chiefs softened up at halftime or do you think our offense just really started to figure things out? I don't know if I'd use the term soften up, but I remember during that game as we were making our comeback, uh, I think the Chiefs were playing with a lead and they were, you know, they were playing more conservatively on both sides of the ball that they normally would. You know, I, I don't think that um, on offense they were attacking quite as much. And so it, it made it possible for us to um, build, you know, to make that comeback, but just, there just wasn't enough time. We ran out of time. We got, we got to within three points and there were four minutes left and 
Patrick Mahomes engineered three first downs and that was it. You know, they were able to run out the clock. Uh, I think you see that with the Chiefs a lot, to be quite honest with you. Uh, last year in the playoffs, they got down double digits in every game and then just came storming back. So I think there's a little bit of a, a you know, flip being switched sometimes with them. In this case, they just went absolutely bonkers at the beginning of the game. And um, some of that also was adjustments on our part. For instance, in the first quarter of that game, we were in single high safety on defense about 65% of the time, and that didn't work. And uh, Tyreek Hill caught something like six passes outside the numbers against um, single high coverage in that quarter. We went for uh, two high safeties on 72% of the snaps the rest of the way, which was obviously an adjustment because the previous strategy was not working. Um, so some of it was adjustment on our part, but I think it's fair to say that the, the Chiefs may have eased off a little bit uh, after they got the big lead. And it worked. I mean, they won the game. I'm not criticizing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt asked, uh, how big of a deal is it that Eric Fisher is out and how much do you think we'll be able to pressure Mahomes that, because of the injuries they've had to their offensive line? I think it's a big deal. And I don't want to say that in a way that's disrespectful to the people that are stepping in there now. Uh, Mike Rimmer's probably a left tackle who, by the way, started his career here. Uh, um, I don't think he ever got to play in a regular season game, but he was here. Um, Mike Rimmer's and then uh, uh, I think their guard, Andrew Wiley, will kick out to right tackle. Um, you know, I would just say take a look at the Green Bay game. Uh, heading into that game, you know, we knew actually, we felt, we, I didn't know this until after the game and they talked about it, but they felt like they had a good matchup against those tackles because David Bakhtiari had been lost for the season. He's a pro bowl left tackle. And they had two guys that they'd sort of been rotating between uh, during the season on the right side, Ricky Wagner and Billy Turner. And they moved Billy Turner to the left side and Ricky Wagner got the right tackle job. And I just feel like our guys thought we had the advantage in both of those matchups. And certainly the results indicate they were right. Uh, it looks on paper like the same thing here. And again, no offense to Mike Rimmers, but again, Eric Fisher was a Pro Bowl left tackle. And that's a hard thing to replace at the last minute, you know? And yeah. so um, it certainly seems like on paper, you would look at that and go, that's a place where the Buccaneers have an advantage. And I hope that proves to be true because any pressure we can get on Patrick Mahomes would make a lot of difference. Right. He definitely is one of the harder people to pressure. So even if you're, you're winning your matchups on the line, he is so yeah. mobile that just just beating that offensive lineman may not mean a whole lot in terms of pressure. So that's going to be really interesting to see how well they're able to not only win those matchups, but contain as well. Right. Um, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thank you so much for being with us. And again, we'll be back here tomorrow morning and Friday morning for any of the questions that I didn't get to. So we'll see you then. <laughs>